I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'll take a lesbian plus and just kind of go from there. That's That'll be yes. how I identify <laughs> lesbian plus. So... Everything plus, yeah. yeah. Bi plus, Disney plus, lesbian plus. Yes, <laughs> into it. <laughs> I want the Disney plus flag. <laughs> Where's that at Pride? You bigots. I'm diking out. You're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out. Diking out. Diking out. Diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that acknowledges the end of Gay Pride Month and is proud to officially kick off Gay Shame Month. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we are diking out with comedian Allison Reese about queer climate change. Also, real climate change, real. because... Yeah. There was a heat wave while we were recording this interview that actually caused my computer to crash over and over again because it was so hot in the room I was recording. No I don't less have than AC. 10 times. Yeah, it was nuts. So we do want to let you know that this interview, if it seems a little bit choppy, short, discombobulated, uh, it is climate change's fault and we all need to start composting and eat less meat. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was so stressful. Uh, also, I think I was having like a, a heat fever. <laughs> like just, yeah, I could. T- yeah. It was very hot in your room. Your equipment kept shutting down, but then like you were turning red and getting yeah. hot, pro- not from the heat, but from the stress of it. It was, yeah, <laughs> we've got a combination. Allison back maybe at some point because 
God bless her for yeah <laughs> for putting up with it and for holding tight and and you too, Melody, for waiting for me to reboot. I literally had to wrap ice packs and towels and put it on my equipment. It wasn't just my computer; it was also my recording device that mm-hmm. was way overheated and kept crashing. So, anyway, you know what we have a great off-topic episode this week as well. And I'm not saying that this is going to be a great episode, but uh, we have an off-topic episode where we talked about like our Stonewall show, our Yelp cocktail event, Shikari Richardson, Ikea couches, some gossip about the new L Word season. A new uh, queer dating reality show, perhaps? Yes. Also some stuff about the Dyke March and behind the scenes of that. So if you want to hear all of our hot takes there, if you're a patron at any level, you get access to that content every week. Speaking of weeks, Melody, what's the gayest thing you did this week? I mean, you're going to ask me what the gayest (laughs) thing I did in the last week of June was. (laughs) Where do I even start? I could, I mean, obviously doing all of the gay comedy shows, events, our shows, I have had so much fun performing again, performing with you, meeting listeners. I famously joined the podcast at the start of a pandemic, and it's really my first time getting to meet listeners. You're all so sweet, nice attractive. I've been having a blast. Um, (laughs) The gayest thing of the week. This was a show for, oh no, both our show and I did a show for the Lesbian Bar Project at Caroline's last Sunday. And I'm going to have to say, (laughs) I mean, interesting show to say the least. It's Sunday at the end of Pride. I'm coming down from a rave. Um, (laughs) Like just... Barely there mentally, hosting a show for Lesbian Bar Project. Our headliner was straight. Um, it was just like so much going on. But- Can I just say, during the the day of the Stonewall show, I kept hearing, like walking by and hearing you and Allie saying certain phrases. And immediately I knew you, you were talking about that Caroline show. And it was just like new bits of information. But I'm like, this has to be about that show, which sounded so random. It was so random. Continue. It was. I assumed the headliner, Lesbian Bar Project paired with um, an existing show that was scheduled for Sunday night after Pride. So they probably, you know, wanted to like join forces, get people in there support lesbian bar project and just get proceeds from ticket sales over to them. Amazing. But I mean, it was just people who were fans of this headliner who's straight, but like we didn't know and we should have just asked. I mean, I just thought someone would ask, but we're in the green room waiting and we're like, are you queer? And she's like, no, but I I do consider myself a gay icon. And we're like, great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, I'll say it. It's a certain type of comedian who has super large breasts. Yeah. And it's kind of her thing. Amazing triple G's. Imagine the audience and the following (laughs) that she attracts. (laughs) And that lesbian bar project attracts. So it was also like they screened the lesbian bar project documentary. So like I went up the lesbian bar project girls, Erica Rosalina Street. They introed the documentary. Okay. Then 
I come back. I intro Allie. Allie does a set. There's a guest spot. The guest spot comedian, Ginny Hogan, intros Natalie, the headliner. Okay, so much going on. <laughs> um, they also had to, Caroline's has the stage and then two TV screens on each side of it. So they cleared the middle um, and put a lot of the audience at the beginning, at least. Eventually, the middle filled up as the show went on. But like <laughs> doing stand up for empty seats with like oh everyone kind of on the sides, I was making direct eye contact with like men from the internet who were there for titties. Um, right. Her literal therapist was there. Um, we had to, so I had weird. to administer a raffle at the end of the show for sex toys. Did you ever think you would administer two sex toy raffles in the same week? No, I truly didn't. I didn't think I would have to present a boomer cis white guy Retired therapist who still sees the headliner because she's somehow grandfathered into whatever. I don't know. It was insane. But I did have to say, I remember, is the is the doctor in the house? Because it just said doctor on his raffle ticket. And I had to present this man with a finger extender. Just wow. crazy. But I will. So the gayest thing was I forgot what it's like to do shows with Allie on them. My lover, Allie Clayton, stand up <gasps> comedian. She always does a little something. To make it weird, you know, she at Stonewall <laughs> um, revealed information about our sex life. Um, yes, always, she did. yeah, she did. Um, <laughs> but I would have to say the gayest thing of the week was um, when I brought her on stage. She grabbed the back of my head, and we fully made out on the stage of Caroline's on Broadway. Never thought that would happen in my Sailor life. Sailor coming home from war style, <laughs> yeah, right? Truly a dip <laughs> and everything. And then I. Everyone like cheered for that. That was great. Allie does her set. I go back on and she tries to do it again, but I was kidding around and just stick my tongue out. And then we just end up like rubbing our tongues on each other. And then we just hear groans from the audience. So that was maybe the people uh, there for the headliner. Uh, uh, and then cut to our Stonewall show. She did it again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you caught it. Bringing Allie on stage. I didn't. She I kissed didn't. me. <laughs> and so now this is just going to be a thing. So is that gayest thing? Or may I just mention my actual gayest thing? It just occurred to me. What is it? Because making out with my girlfriend, you know, sure, I do it all the time. Just never done it on stage. However, gayest thing of the week. Got to bring my gay rage back. I spent June 30th, the last day of Pride, responding to all of the messages that I had not responded to yet throughout the month of June, asking me to do free labor for Pride. And I Fuck really that. unleashed on some of these people who just were full of lies to begin with. They're like, I'm such a fan of your work. I love your page. I'm so glad I found, I love your work love on your, your page. page. And it's like interesting because I don't actually post my work on my page. I'm not that big right. on social. Like, so this is already a lie. And asking me to, you know, host and help produce uh, virtual pride events that will have tickets sold, but they're not willing to pay me. Asking me to work, quote, pro bono because they really want someone to host it who's, quote, attached to the cause, the LGBT cause. It's like, hey, um, it's not a cause. It's my community, my identity. Like, and if you really want someone attached to LGBT rights as a cause, you would understand that fair pay is an LGBT right. And especially Preach. after like the year we've had surrounding discourse around treating 
queer people fairly, compensating marginalized people for their work yeah. at all, let alone fairly. Like and I really let it out. Been. Yes. And knowing that performers had missed so many paid opportunities right. during the pandemic that they would normally get to come out of a pandemic and not attach pay. One of the things that I'm very proud about with Diking Out when we do our live shows is that we pay all of our performers, and we pay them well. We pay them more than they would get doing a spot at the Comedy Cellar. And you see the shock sometimes. They're all at, surprised. Yeah, yeah, and that's that shouldn't happen. We shouldn't right. be met with such shock, surprise, and like extreme gratitude. It should be a given <laughs> right. that you're paid for your work. I mean, I really lost it. And like some people responded to my rant, um, and... I did not get one. I got a lot of like defensive uh, jargon um, justifying why they need someone pro bono for ticketed events. And like, like even some that asked me to like do, they want to do a fundraiser and they want me to do all this free work and find other comedians and like actually produce the event. No real (laughs) apologies. Just a lot of defensive, I'll call it jargon, 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 jargon I was met with, but that's how I spent June 30th. It felt pretty cathartic. (laughs) Even if it's not a ticketed event, the obnoxious thing is like these companies will drop Two hundred dollars on you know on a chopped salad order right. for lunch for um, a well, vendor Croy's, coming in, right? Like like they'll drop two hundred bucks without even thinking on accommodating vendors or clients or whatever. But for an event for a host for someone you're actually asking to do labor and it's not just a meeting. To not pay them is... Oh, my God. So I just went to literally pull up one of them, and I see I've now been blocked, (laughs) which is amazing, (gasps) because it starts off with, like, I'm a big fan of your work. Okay, woman for good in San Francisco. (laughs) Okay, proud voices. Okay, like, all... Like, it's so frustrating. And then one of them who responded to me was like, our team does not encourage any practices that don't support equity or fair pay. Pro bono requests are only made when we don't have a way to pay it forward. In the past, we've made sure to find sponsors or donors, but unfortunately, because of the virtual nature of events, that isn't happening this year. I'm sorry, Carolyn. I believe we had sponsors and virtual events, and our little our rinky-dink podcast could make it happen. <laughs> well, what about a tech startup in San Francisco I'm getting this message from? You know, like, right, off. right off. Like, you could just send me $10 to get a meal <laughs> while I write jokes for your event yeah. that you're selling tickets to. So that's the gayest thing of the week. My gay rage. And we love Jägermeister and Maker's Mark because honestly, even when we're doing fundraisers for the Lesbian Bar Project, we are raising money for a good cause, but we pay all of our performers because companies like Jägermeister and Maker's Mark year round, not just during Pride Month, they invest in our communities and I can't thank and shout them out enough for it. Mm -hmm. So... Cheers. Thanks for uh, indulging me. Um, let's pivot to maybe something hopefully a little less angry. What <laughs> is the gayest thing you did 
this last week of Pride? Oh, it's a toss up between two things. So last week I did mention that Cecilia and I did scoop up a friend of ours who was going through a breakup and they are having to move all of their stuff out of their apartment. And I was staying with them. So we had the Yelp show on Wednesday and the Stonewall show on Thursday. So I crashed on their couch. And when I came back from the Yelp show and they were packing up, I came across their ukulele and I tuned it for them. And I thought that was <laughs> pretty really gay. gay. It also sounds like a euphemism. Like I tuned this yeah, lesbian's ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like that. Okay. Mm. And yeah, while I was doing that, I'm like, well, this feels like the gayest thing But I do think maybe the gayest thing is that there is a bartender at Stonewall who isn't afraid to yell at people, let's say. I mean, I learned that real fast. Damn. She she works a lot of our shows. I got yelled at. (laughs) And Melody, what did you say? You're like, apparently you guys are on good terms, but (laughs) to me... Yeah, because I mean, this bartender, hot girl, terrifying, understandably frustrated. I mean, after especially the month she's probably witnessed at Stonewall. And then like we have our event and we're like packed out. Like there's a line forming. We're a little past when we're supposed to let people in. She's getting frustrated. This is how she always is. Oh, okay. Well, I tried. Yeah, Yeah, she was screaming at us. Um, Really screaming. But then I see her just being so gentle with you. And I, a smile. I saw a smile. And that's probably why I said a that. smile. There was some flirting. I think it was me flirting with the bartender at Stonewall. So I I am not a flirt. And I don't get flirt. I don't get flirted with. <laughs> Can't even but say I, it. <laughs> I, I always, right? I always feel like. This bartender is low-key hitting on me. And she knows Cecilia. Like, it's all fun. None of it goes over the line or anything. It's, like, just for fun. So it's kind of become this fun thing that I lean into a little bit. And I leaned into it a lot yeah. <laughs> the other night. I mean, that's And was impressive. really playing up and enjoying the fact that she was being super sweet to me. And <laughs> just yelling at everybody else. Because, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been too terrified of somebody with that kind of personality. Yeah. And I'm really proud of myself that now I'm in a place where I can joke with them and flirt a little bit. So yeah, I think That's flirting with the with the angry bartender at Stonewall. Gay feet. Big gay feet. Feet, I came as in home. a feet, like you over, you did, you conquered. Not, yes, she yes, doesn't yes, have yes. big gay feet. This one, yeah, she's not on Wiki Feet. <laughs> <laughs> the the sub article on Wiki Feet that's Stonewall <laughs> gay feet. No, uh, so Cecilia wasn't able to come out, but as soon as I got home, I was so excited to tell her that I was flirting because she's always saying like, you know, you can flirt if you want. I'm like, I don't like flirting. I don't want to flirt, but. She kind of likes to see me flirt. What? <laughs> yeah. Simultaneously, she though, she's always like jealous and like <laughs> is convinced. Like She's convinced everybody's flirting with me when yeah. they're not. But then if I'm like initiating the the flirting, I guess she's kind of into it. But I keep telling her, I'm like, I don't really enjoy flirting. Uh, and I I don't even feel like I know how to do it. 
But then I was kind of doing it the other night. So I was like, oh, she's going to be so proud of me. But except she wasn't there to see it. So I had to give her the the play by play, which maybe that's the gayest thing. Is it? (laughs) Telling telling my wife about how I was flirting with other lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's Uh, count it. Well... Let's get into this interview. Today, we are diking out with comedian and writer Allison Reese about queer climate change, not actual global climate change, the cultural climate. Yes. You got it. You'll get it when you listen. I just don't want some of our uh, LGBT QAnon listeners to be like, climate change. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sit back and enjoy and get mad about something else we say. <laughs> Allison is a performer and staff writer at the Second City Chicago, where she is also an alumnus of the coveted touring company. And in quarantine, wow, what a brag, she created, wrote, and produced the web series In Diana with her Chicago-based comedy group, Matt Damon Improv. Let's get to it. Allison, thank you so much for being here today and diking out with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thrilled you survived Pride, right? We all got (laughs) through it. Pride Mm -hmm. in New York with these hot, hot temperatures. How's it going? It's going well. It's I well, I'm originally from Arizona. Okay, you get it. Well, I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, this humidity is humidity. Terrible. What a terrible idea humidity is. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's first Mm. draft. That was a damp dike march on Saturday. Oh, yeah. We were all very dewy. (laughs) Did you you get to go to any pride events? Because you're new to New York, right? I am. We my partner and I just moved here from Chicago and we didn't realize it fell on the same weekend as their uncle's birthday in New Jersey. So we spent the actual weekend with their family. But leading up to it, we had done a bunch of uh, dyke beer events. So like that's kind of how we celebrated Pride. We went on this like cool historical walk of like the lost dyke bars of of past. Yeah, it was really cool. Great, because I saw a picture and it looked like only white women. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm there somewhere. Hold yeah. it down. Okay. <laughs> cool. No, no. It was it was good. It was very informative. It was like, I thought, we thought it was just going to be like a bar hop. And it was right. so much more. It was really cool. They gave you homework. You have a study guide. It's an essay due next week. That's how lesbians I mean, do it. Yeah, that's <laughs> truly what happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> we got packets. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. We love Dyke Beer. We actually did a show on Saturday at Good Judy, which they made um, one of their new beer. It's like a sour that was inspired by Good Judy, and they hadn't there. And I didn't drink any because the event was sponsored by uh, Maker's Mark. So I'm still like very excited to try the newest variety of Dyke Beer. I love it. Yeah, I'm interested to to try that, too. I'm not normally into sour beer, but... Yeah. If it's Dyke Beer, I'll do it. It's so yes. good. It was good being at Good Judy, seeing 
just a room full of dykes drinking dyke beer. Something about that right, image right. was amazing. I learned from the bartender. I've just been going around talking about the dyke beer saison and just putting that little spin on that word because I don't know what I'm talking about and I don't know what it means. But I learned <laughs> that like the French farmers would not have like clean, like pure irrigated water to drink when they were like out in the field. So they brewed this very light beer to sort oh. of like drink so they wouldn't get too drunk while they worked. And that mm. is what a saison is. If anyone was wondering, I've been drinking this dyke beer for the last few months and finally found yeah. out. So wow. Fact. I wasn't wondering, but I am a better person for knowing it now. <laughs> That's incredible. My French dad never got the memo because when uh, <laughs> when he did yard work, he was drinking pastis, straight up Ricard, yeah. liquor, liquor during the day. Nobody told him he should drink something light. <laughs> <laughs> like a good beer. Yes. <laughs> well, if drinking dyke beer and going on that tour actually wasn't the gayest thing, what is the gayest thing you've done in the last week? Oh, boy. Can you beat that? I don't know. I that mean, okay, maybe it's maybe it's this, but my partner and I have been on and off watching Love Victor while simultaneously rolling our eyes at Love Victor. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that might That's be a good one. up there. <laughs> Great. So explain to <laughs> me what Love Victor is. <laughs> because it's I know Love Simon. So is that just the show love Vic, like a offshoot is, is of love simon yeah yeah okay. so it's it's it, it's a spin-off of assumption. love simon love okay. simon yeah and it's i mean starring this kid named victor and it's um not great they have again straight actors portraying gay teens and it's i mean my my biggest thing, it's like cheesy and kind of whatever, but my biggest thing is that they've just like really normalized this like homophobia from all the people around this kid as he like comes out, like the homophobia of like his friends being like, like he had a girlfriend and like broke up with her because he's gay and like it really was like, it's okay that she's like homophobic, she should be mad at him. She, like, deserves to be mad at him. And it's just, like, really <laughs> oh icky to me. But, yeah. Does it take place in a small town? Um, where it's it in Atlanta again. Come. Okay. All so right. it's, like, the way they've connected it is that, like, there's a voiceover back and forth messaging between Victor and Simon. And he's like, hey, Simon, you were the other gay you. kid in town, and now I'm taking your place. And it's, like, him and Simon go back. And he's like, Simon, how do I have sex? Simon's like, I'm a straight actor. I don't know. Uh, well, you're a Second City person, right? You, this so is true. You, probably, you know Evan Mills from Chicago? I do, he, I do. He had this tweet at the big, like June 1st or something where he just tweeted, all he tweeted was the Love Simon poster and the Love Victor poster and wrote, Happy Pride. These are both straight men. <laughs> just like went viral and started this like discourse about like whether or not they should be casting gay men for the series or not. Right. Well, maybe it would help it make it less eye rolly. I would hope so. But how young are they? That's a I don't know. The actor who plays Victor looks like a teenager. 
Yeah, that's what I wonder with, with the casting. It's like, well, are they are they actually straight or are they just not out they because kids? Hollywood? Yeah. That's a fair question. Young. That's a fair yeah. question. I don't. There was a an, uh, an article where the actor was like, you know, I I asked my cousin because he's gay. I asked him what it was like before filming this, <laughs> and mm. I was just like, oh no, <laughs> oh okay. I wrote him a letter. I don't have the internet. But what if we dig in and he doesn't have a cousin? <laughs> Oh man. Well, I've never felt like such a dyke. I mean, why have I don't know a thing about this show. <laughs> I'll look Wait. into it. Thank you for regaling us. Is it yeah. isn't that the thing though? Like wasn't Jennifer Beals during the L word, she gave an interview that was like, Yeah, I would check in with uh Leisha and, and Kate with any of my questions to make sure it was feeling authentic, but then Jennifer Beals was also having sex with women. So like Huh. Oh my god. Like she was really? just saying that to, yeah. <laughs> I oh, know. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. On the deal. So wait, wait was she deal. saying that to like cover her tracks? That's what I'm wondering. I don't know. Or, or was she like having turned... imposter syndrome? <laughs> I I wish she would give us more information on all this. I wish she would open gotta, up, but yeah. We got to call her. We got to get to the bottom <laughs> of it. Yeah, let me let me zoom her in. Let me send her the link. <laughs> So, yeah, you're from Chicago. You're doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the comedy you're doing, you've been doing these hilarious Kamala Harris videos. Oh, tell yes. us about that. <laughs> tell us how they started. They are. How much are they blowing up right now? I feel like I look at the views and I'm like, not enough. Not enough views. This should <laughs> and- be. <laughs> this should be like trending everywhere. It's the best impression that I've seen. They're so Truly. funny. Oh, thank so you. So funny. Not only the impression itself, but the the writing and the things that you say in the jokes. Oh my they gosh. Kill me. Thank yeah. you. I mean, I agree. I don't know how to get more people to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to make a million. No. Um Yeah. This I started doing them not the videos, but I started doing this impression when I was, I auditioned for SNL in Chicago um, in 2019, like right after I got married. And I was like, should I do like a political something? I was like, yeah, why not? And so I did that. And I've just been kind of like tweaking it ever since. And uh, yeah, it got back to live performance this year. And I added it to like uh, a JFL audition I did. And I was like, this was fun. And I think I'm pretty good at it. So like, yeah, I don't know. I have a wig. Let's try it out. And <laughs> she's coming up in the news with, and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, my I think my version of Kamala, too, is a little bit like. I don't know. I try to go based off of like the last thing she just said, kind of a deal. Right. And like spoof off that, like with the pride stuff. I was like, this is kind of funny because like she's there. And in the background, there's a Secret Service guy, and he's, like, dressed in this weird, like, bowling shirt. And it was like, (laughs) what? Did somebody tell them, like, (laughs) it's pride, so you have to dress for it? And he was like, I got it. Bowling shirt. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Like, I just like this idea of her being kind of, like, wanting to be supportive, but also being, like... (laughs) On the same level of the Secret Service guy of like, yeah, bowling shirt. God, I get it. Like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but there's also a part of me that's like, has she ever kissed a girl? Like, I saw that haircut. 
we all saw the haircut. Uh, <laughs> the enthusiasm of like the the pride jacket, the infamous pride jacket. I'm like, I don't think you can pull that off if you haven't had a, a same sex experience. <laughs> yeah, it really filled it just, out in a very yeah. gay way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the way that she wore it, just with confidence and everything, the the whole look. But yeah, I love how you just keep going back to to Doug, and every time you say community, it gets even funnier. I don't know. I'm just community. loving it. Don't stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so good. Oh <laughs> and the laugh too. I this could just be an hour of me gushing about your Kamala Harris impression. <laughs> but I just I love a solid impression and this one blew me away. So. Oh god. Thanks. Thank you. Keep up the yeah. good work. And I love that it's coming from a gay. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's this extra gayness <laughs> to it all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, even if you don't know, it's there. Well, today we are here to talk about the fast-changing queer climate. Oh, yes. So, let's get into it. Uh, How long have you been out? Like, what's the benchmark for you in terms of (laughs) where we're starting from? Yeah, I came out in 2012. Okay. So, I came out in 2012... I was 20 and I like came out to my parents in like a group text, which was like (laughs) pretty like, I don't know. Cause uh, the joke I tell is I see like all these like Buzzfeed coming out stories and like people go by, like they make a cake and it's like really special and everybody's crying. And mine was like a text message. And I was like, I think I'm gay. Is that cool? (laughs) (laughs) My dad was like, yep, you're good. And I was like, okay, great. Tra la 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 la, off to do my day. <laughs> so that that's when I came out, and um, I was in Los Angeles at the time, which I thought was so cool because I had also just discovered the L word, and I was like, right, in close proximity to like West Hollywood. Um, so you saw all those billboards warning everybody about Shane on Sunset, <laughs> <laughs> like mm-hmm. stay away from Shane. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That show, honestly, I hadn't watched it in so long, and we had just started watching it recently and, like, could not get, I was like, oof, it was just so toxic. I was like, I can't, I don't think I can watch it. It's, like, hurting my brain. Yeah. 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 But so, so you were in L.A., mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how did it compare to, like, your expectations for what you thought the community was going to be like? I honestly hadn't. I didn't really get involved in too much community at that time. I was really like sucked into the comedy world. Um, So I hadn't really been like in, in that community. I had friends who I worked with who were also queer and we would go out sometimes, but like I was such a baby gay. And so just like quiet into myself, like I did not get out there, but yeah. And it was just so different too from where I had come from because I'm I grew up in Mesa Arizona which is like where I was it was like a lot of Mormon kids and stuff so like a lot of my close friends were Mormon growing up and so like yeah so like just being out to me was like whoa I'm doing it so like right yeah so I I think about that a lot too with like 
how things change and are different. Cause I feel like in cities and with like communities that are very close knit, things are able to change faster. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's interesting with this topic. I'd been thinking about it before the recording, obviously. And it's like we all kind of bring our different perspective to it. And it's hard to know how much of it is like, how much of it is it the community that changed or how much of it is us individually getting mm. more entrenched in the community and mm. being exposed to a lot more. So, I could say, oh, well, back when I came out, you know, yeah, you kind of went to gay bars and then we all watched the L word and um, had a couple of cultural touch points that we all understood. And and that was that. And there were the same narratives on TV and a few stereotypes and done. And now it's like TikTok and on social media. And then there's all this like gatekeeping and policing and butting of heads and everything. And I'm like, well, was that always there? And I just wasn't a part of it because I was just Mm. like trying to find a girlfriend, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great like question to pose. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, cause I, I mean, I don't know. The, The internet does connect us a lot quicker. We know so much more and we know like the perspectives of so many more like people. Right. Than we ever could have before. So it's like, yeah, was that always there? And I just wasn't awake to that. Yeah, that's a really great question. That reminds me of like, I like to relate things back to either like comedy or basketball because that's how my brain will take information. Yeah. But it just reminds me of like, you know, in five, 10 years, what is going to be the thing that we look back on right now and go, oh my God, I can't believe we were saying that. Or I can't believe we thought that was acceptable because it's like, In my mind, I'm from Second City, and I was on the touring company, so I know a lot about, like, satire and writing and performance and all that. And I have a deeply held belief that any good satire cannot be good in five years. If your satire holds up five years later, either the satire is bad or society didn't catch up, and that also sucks. Right, right. (laughs) Just in a different way. Yeah. Like, that's a great observation. Yeah, that's... Very on point. I've never even thought about that. Yeah. I love watching old stuff and like seeing what problematic things come up because in a way I'm like, we did it. We got past that awful thing. Right. And now we know that that's not cool or like now it's just uh, my spouse and I watched the scary movies. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Which I loved, which were the funniest to me as a kid. Scary movie too, specifically. Yes. That one specifically, the basketball spoof of that commercial, (laughs) I cried laughing like nothing was better than that, you know, to like 10-year-old me or however old I was. Right. Right. But like I was preparing them like, okay, this is going to be really probably terrible, like just Mm -hmm. so we're prepared. And we watched it and it was. Yeah. And there was. (laughs) I can only imagine. I haven't seen it in so long, but. It was so bad, and, like, every joke was so out of touch and, like, upsetting and just didn't, wouldn't work today, except for nearly everything about race. Everything they said about race and, like, Black people was the fucking same. I'm like, that makes me so mad Uh, and sad. The movie theater. (laughs) Yeah, the movie theater scene. Damn. uh, Just everything. I was like, oh, shoot, this is crazy, like how this part of it holds up because society 
hasn't moved on this. Right. Yeah. It's wild. And I think about that with like queer culture. Like uh, I like to pose that question of like, you know, what what voices are missing? You know, what who can I include? Right. Um, and so. yeah, the the what's it going to be five, ten years from now? If you were to go back like even like 15 years and tell somebody, hey, saying that boys have penises and girls have vaginas problematic. They'd be like, huh? Like you would not be able to go into the past and explain go that to somebody. Like nobody, no, yeah, no, nobody would believe you. Like I would love to see you time travel into the movie Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, and just be like, give those kids that like, hey, like this is problematic. Also, a cab. Fuck you. Get yeah. out of here, Schwarzenegger. Like, <laughs> right. Would love so- to see it. It's like all these things that people would think like, how could this possibly be something that's that's a problem this many years from now? So I'm like, yeah, what is that going to be? And, you know, like it is a picture going to surface of me carrying groceries with plastic bags and people be like, (laughs) how is anyone your fucking friend? You horrible like we're all drowning (laughs) and it's your fucking fault or uh, eating meat. I hon- I honestly think it's mm. veganism. I I think one day oh, we're yeah. all gonna look back and be like we we were all that's monsters. Really so too, yeah, yeah. That's like, for wow, a long that's time, all- but you're probably yeah. right. Yeah, I think that- the the vegan tender queers are ahead of the game. They know. <laughs> They know it's up. My spouse will be very excited. My spouse is vegan. Yes. They've been vegan since we started dating. Yeah. And so it's been like, yeah. I'm not <laughs> vegan, but I firmly believe that vegans are like superior um, <laughs> to the rest of us. They're, they're just much better at the core. I agree. I'm also not vegan. Yeah. But I'm like, man. Yeah. My, my spouse likes to say that it's a process because they like started out like, uh, I think like cutting out red meat right and it's been like right, a process right. since they've been in high school of like it's you know, best to do it gradually out, including other stuff yeah. yeah yeah so yeah yeah surprise surprise i have vegan friends uh <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have vegan friends are you queer probably not uh yeah, that's great something question. that hasn't really changed much in the community only grown right veganism. yeah <laughs> <laughs> thing i love about vegan restaurants is that no matter what vegan restaurant you go to, they're always going to bring you room temperature water for some reason. <laughs> That's so true. And I'm like, why are we against ice? <laughs> like, <laughs> I would love to not drink this 85 degree water, but okay. <laughs> like, Did the water fine. consent to being frozen? I don't know. <laughs> These are the questions. Please don't be mad at me for saying that, vegans. I love you so much. Um... (laughs) Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. 
That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Another shift I feel that we can like objectively maybe agree on, but maybe not. Maybe I haven't looked into the history enough, but I saw that there was a, an article on 17.com that there are 21 pride flags. The article was like 21 pride flags and here's what they all mean. And I'm like, oh dear, uh, 20, 21 flags wow. for pride like that we're shifting to these hyper specific identities and we're mm. we're so inclusive like we're trying hard to be so inclusive that I think we've passed the tipping point and we just need to take a firm stance and just be exclusive of cis straight people like I think we need just one flag that's like Ray Romano with a line through it and that's that's it. That's like no cis straight. <laughs> yeah. Like something maybe that signifies it. <laughs> maybe that's the thing in the future is that like all the labels, but one will be gone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's if you're straight. This group of lesbian identifying women at the Dyke March didn't recognize the lesbian pride flag. And honestly, I don't think that I can recognize it out of a lineup. It is actually like the one I can recognize and yeah. I'm a bisexual. Okay. I guess I might know what the bisexual one looks like, but yeah, that's it out of the 21. I don't even, I don't think I know. I don't think I could pick it out. I think right. the lesbian one's like the pink, orange, white one. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, I know the triangle, like the lavender triangle. Yeah. I, that's, I thought that was the one. But that recently got updated to add the intersex, the circle that was within the triangle that goes out into the original rainbow. That So there, there's the progress flag that's like a combination of the Philadelphia pride flag with the black and brown stripes. And then yeah. you have the trans triangle intersecting it. And now there's like a area within that that's the intersex flag representation. And, and that's when I'm like, hey... It'd be easier if we were like, n none of the other stuff. <laughs> and then and then everyone, because like, you know, gays used to have a reputation for being really great at design. And I feel like we're getting away from that. <laughs> well, speaking of gatekeeping, uh, <laughs> so let's talk about gatekeeping in the community. I mean, I feel like we're doing a little bit of it now. I understand. It's like we can't... <laughs> I I am just joking. Well, yeah, I'm gatekeeping cis straight people from the queer community. Mm. I'm guilty of that. That's what I'm trying to do. No, I mean, I'm saying that that identity seemed to be getting like very hyper specific. And I'm not saying that that's that's a bad thing. I'm just saying I think that's very different, though, from what it was back in the day. And we can objectively state that it was like back in the day, if you were dating a woman, you were just deemed a lesbian. Right. And like, 
And then eventually, like, bisexuality, even though, unfortunately, was the the butt of many jokes and not taken Mm -hmm. seriously, did become more valid and people were claiming it more. And then it's splintered off from there. But not only are we including in our identity just sexuality and just who we're sleeping with, it's also, like, the kinds of relationships we're in, gender, how we're attracted to people, you know, I'm... Right. um, Yeah, there's... Definitely yeah, like more romantic and there's more space for fluidity, you know, and there's there, there feels like there's there's more space for maybe not knowing or maybe like leaving space for what is to come. Because like, yeah, going back on what you're talking about uh, on like when bisexuality meant for whatever reason, for a long time, bisexuality meant that like, oh, well, you just actually just like men, like no matter like. Where right, right. who you were, like what your gender was, what your gender it was, was like, oh, yeah. but really you yeah. actually just like men, and it's like if you were a man right. who's bisexual, it's like okay, well, and which is like some weird, a, a whole other conversation, right? But like I feel like it's yeah, I, I feel like things have been more inclusive to include all of this fluidity, and I I feel like I don't know, based off that, I'm like, what is to come? I feel like that's gonna be a really interesting shift as we like you know venture into that that's the funny thing to me though is that we're all seeming to be a lot more fluid and a lot more open to this idea of like we're evolving we're changing whatever but then we have these hyper specific kind of like fixed labels Mm -hmm. that mean such a specific thing where and again I think everything is valid. It's like, whatever works for you, um, I will support it. I will use the terms you want. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody is a different human and you need to do what works for you. For for me personally, I'd rather have a lesbian label that is more fluid mm-hmm. and inclusive in itself that within lesbian, it's more encompassing or within these like fewer labels there's so much more room to move around so that you're not constantly having to be like oh I thought I was this but now I'm this Mm. you know or or like the queer umbrella just using the term queer is like a a catch-all and that gives you space to explore more because it is such a, a journey and people come out in so many different ways at so many different times it can feel overwhelming to feel like you have to constantly be coming out and updating the world in that way you know like right right yeah, yeah. just yeah I'll I'll take a lesbian plus and just kind of go from there that's That'll be how I identify (laughs) lesbian plus. So everything plus. Yeah. Yeah, Bi plus. Disney plus. Lesbian plus. Yes. (laughs) Into it. (laughs) I want the Disney plus flag. (laughs) Where's that at pride? You bigots. Oh, man. Is there a a Disney gay float? Elsa. Pride. Oh. (laughs) Float. (laughs) There should be. Um, no, it's all the villains. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Ursula, yeah. it's Cruella. Cruella, Ursula. yeah. They're all yeah. yeah. Man, what's with kids being like the <laughs> the effeminate gay uh, is evil? Between like Ursula, right. Cruella, him. Remember him from Powerpuff Girls? Oh, I don't. God. I never watched that, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Same same deal. <laughs> yeah, him is like is literally the devil who is also like okay. a drag queen. 
Right. And like has this really <laughs> echoey, like, hello, Powerpuff Girls. Like, has oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Super fierce and incredible, but is definitely right. like a bad guy. Right, right. Yeah. Angelica Pickles, gay. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a dyke. <laughs> so many cartoons. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, I guess. Well, that's a, another way that the uh, queer climate is changing is now instead of having to like code all of these cartoons as gay, now they're actually coming out as gay. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Phil and Lil's mom is now gay, that's like right. actually gay instead of us being like, what what you doing married to this man? She's obviously a huge dyke. <laughs> <laughs> and man. now we can come out and say it. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's like fewer, fewer things from my childhood that I'm like, definitely gay. That's so, like, she is so gay, like from the sweater. Wasn't her sweater yeah. like the, what was the symbol? Was it one of the 21 flags? Oh, what, didn't she have like a female symbol or? Yeah, like, yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she like, had, like her sweatband and yeah. just like, yeah. Absolutely. Gym clothes. She she was oh. the voice of a softball coach. The voice yeah. of a softball coach built like she throws shot put like man. Yeah. yeah. Icon. <laughs> but yeah, Melody, you did mention gatekeeping before. And I guess maybe this is part of gatekeeping, but there's this other thing that I see happen uh, a lot that I don't know if this is like a newer thing because of the internet, but it's that people like to speak for, for the whole group when policing each other about Mm -hmm. queer things. So it's Mm -hmm. like within the trans community, there are so many different perspectives on a lot of different things. But then there are some voices that are like, no, I'm saying absolute, this is what the trans community wants when not everybody is that way. And then when there's dissent within the group, it it becomes chaos and there's just become so much infighting. Um, A really silly example is... Ashley Ray, mm-hmm. uh, past guest of the pod, mm-hmm. had some tweet, I guess, somewhere about some joke about calling this experience with a guy, comparing it to like a lesbian experience mm-hmm. that this date, that basically the guy was acting like you would expect a, a lesbian to act. And then somebody screenshotted um, a write up about her where it says that she's pansexual and was like, like you shouldn't like lesbians don't want men associated with them at all. And you can't call this a lesbian experience if there's a man in it. And it's like, one, it's a joke Two, as a lesbian who gives a fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care. Like as as a lesbian plus, let me speak for the whole group and say, you can't speak for the whole group. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) exactly. So it's like, you see a, a lot of, that going on and I think it's kind of like this mix of both gatekeeping and policing which seems to be maybe gatekeeping used to be more of a thing and it's transitioning more into policing like people Mm. get mad at Melody for using the term dyke because she's bisexual and pants or by pan Um, yeah like I and I also first identified as a lesbian and then as I got older, my relationship with gender and the people I would sleep with <laughs> relationship with gender would change. Mm. I 
kind of pivoted to pansexual, bisexual, to just sort of like leave room for potential new experiences or just like shifting because you you are constantly evolving not just in like community but us as individuals but I do have a whole folder on my desktop of screenshots of angry tweets let's pull it up oh my goodness (laughs) I started listening to this dyking out podcast but there is a bisexual person in it who's using the word dyke 50 question marks It just makes me so uncomfortable. And they also talked about how they've been called out for it, but they all caps think that it's just the opinion of other people. Fuck you. (laughs) So that's directed towards me. It's a lot of that. That's kind of the energy that that people are bringing. Met with every time we have a new episode come out, maybe someone shares it, and then another policing queer comes across me. And it's just so silly. Like, and they're, wow. I mean, they are often like younger and I do get that they like are just coming to terms with like their queerness and like excited to like have this identity finally, mm-hmm. like any identity, but I do have to like bite my tongue, hold my hand, not tweet back. Yeah. I've been eating pussy since you were nine. Like I just <laughs> like, and then I'm a part of the problem and then it just, it's annoying. It's, it's just yeah. like, I. it's so interesting to me because like, okay. This reminds me of my favorite Audre Lorde quote, which is uh, you can't dismantle the master's house by using the master's tools. And I feel like Mm. there's a lot of like the master's tools, so to speak, being used because this is that's such like black and white, right, wrong sort of thinking and like having to put in boxes of like these these boxes weren't always there. They were kind of, a lot of times boxes were invented to, you know, keep people away and out. So it's like, I I don't know. I feel like identities, there's no single experience or like monolithic experience, like being, okay. I got to relate it back to like comedy. Right. So like if I'm the only person of color on an improv team that makes whatever I bring to the table, whatever I say, like the, the black experience or the, the POC experience when I have one experience out of a bajillion experiences, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I forget where I was going with that, but (laughs) it just, yeah, that feels very, um, boxy. Just really like presumptuous. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know why we keep doing this to each other within the community because that's not how the community works. Yes, it doesn't. (laughs) It's feeling less like a community with all that. At the same time, I'm sure somebody can go back through the archives of Diking Out where maybe I've made comments or was unaware that I was policing and saying like people should, people shouldn't. And we're all trying to be better about this stuff as a community. It just feels like, especially what I'm seeing from the younger generation, like the old generation used to be really bad about gatekeeping, right? Especially when it came to like trans women, um, especially Mm. when it came to race, you know, and I would hope that we've made a lot of strides and I know there's still so much work to be uh, done on, on those fronts, but then the younger generation is coming up and then it's like not, 
it's like kind of gatekeeping, but then this like policing thing that just seems like mm. super crazy. And I want to know and understand what caused that, what created that, what's making them so upset about the different terms that people use. Cause on one sense we're saying, let's be more open. Let's be more fluid. Let's let um, everything be more flexible, like except mm. language. If you say this, you cannot include this or, you know, and it's not, it's not necessarily just younger, you know, I'm, I'm not blaming this all on like younger queer people coming up because there is totally a version of that. That's that older gatekeeping of lesbians being like, well, if you slept with a man before you're not a lesbian, or if you're still open to sleeping with men, you can't be a lesbian. <laughs> it's like, but that, person identifies what do you want i don't know i think a big part of it it sounds like is um the internet and like how we speak to each other online because i feel like that kind of came first there's definitely like a a wrong way and a right way to like talk online and it feels like there's been this like big yeah group of like internet police (laughs) right (laughs) right yeah and it's like no matter what you do online people are gonna Someone somewhere will come for you. Oh, for sure. And it's like, it's like, it's the living horror movie. So, (laughs) just no matter where you are, (laughs) what time it is, it's coming. (laughs) And it'll be on your phone, and you'll never, they'll keep you up at night. Yeah. The doom doom scroll out this summer. (laughs) No, Um, write it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I, I. yeah, there's always going to be that online. I feel like sure. that has maybe a lot to do with it since that's where we get a lot of information, especially like this um, younger generation of folks with like the pandemic and everything else. Like, right. Yeah. The world online has been such a communal force. And it's also probably because it's online reading that kind of language. Yeah. That's just my hypotheses. No, I, I think that's a big part of it. I think that the internet and the nature of it, how it is, you know, even outside of queer issues, it has a tendency to do that. I think another thing, too, is the interaction between these different generations that mm. hasn't happened before and nobody really can understand each other's um, perspective Specifically because it's changed so fast that Mm. my experience from someone who's even like six, seven years younger than me is so different. And their understanding of something like I don't think there's actually as much conflict as it's made out to be if we were just to understand that people have like different definitions and perspectives. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, we've also never been confronted with other generations on this level before. Like, I was gonna say, yeah, we've never known what There's Gen a lot of- Z was like, what their nuanced opinions on gender were. You know, like we're right, <laughs> yeah, and like how how could those conversations grow before? You right. know, right? Just happened. There in hasn't a cafe. been any. Yeah, and like how many? Yeah, no, there's no way. Like ten years ago, fifteen years ago, would you be seeing or hearing anything like? a boomer said about politics probably not okay. right unless exactly. it's like I in a space for that <laughs> um ex- yeah that was nice maybe it was that way for a reason <laughs> <laughs> 
We just need Maybe. to like, yeah, watch our news diets, watch our TikTok diets and not get like too yeah. wrapped up in it because we're not all enemies that like, we're, I don't know. I was yeah. going to say, you know, with the way things change so quickly and how like things evolve, it's it's so important to to keep an open mind and like be okay with being wrong sometimes or, or having been wrong or like for sure having had an outdated thing, you know, like, yeah, I mean, that's what growth is. That's what we could be using the internet for is to like, yeah, help each other evolve and get better and be better. Yes, yes, yes. Um, or we could police and evolve and just fight each other. That's also exciting. Right. <laughs> At at the same time, I think there's also this desire amongst a lot of queers to like we want so bad to be better and not Mm. to offend anyone and to do everything the the right way. Or at least I know that that's how I feel. I'm like, please, like, (laughs) let me not not uh, do anything that would make anybody feel bad. That's like the last thing uh, I want. And then I saw this, I think it was like Women's History Month. And then some people were doing women with an X because it, they thought they were being inclusive of trans people. And then trans people were like, actually, that's like a, um, a turf thing because they're saying trans women aren't women. So you have to put an X in there for them to to mm. be included. And then people were like, no, that's actually feminist theory. And like, there was no... There are, <laughs> and we yeah, there's so many levels to that. Yeah, so people were yeah, putting yeah. the X in, thinking that uh, they were being like, inclusive. And then other people were telling them, no, you're being transphobic. And other people were saying, no, you're actually not. And it's like, who, who's right? <laughs> what do I do? Right. I just want to be nice. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Uh, my spouse has used that to be inclusive of folks who are non-binary and use like she and they right. pronouns and things like that. So it's like, yeah, I don't know where it's. Wow. What a conversation. <laughs> How incredibly complicated and, and nuanced, but important. Maybe we can talk about the more fun ways that the queer community and climate has changed. Are there any? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. Positive changes. A lot of the attitude around coming out has changed. Like um, mm. people are saying it doesn't need to right. be this big traumatic experience anymore a lot of casual coming out a lot of not coming out at all and just living your life and if someone needs to Queen know Latifah. you'll find out oh yeah just say her name <laughs> yeah. just say her name <laughs> the shining example Queen Latifah right yeah Never remember when Jodie need- Foster came out too yeah I feel like they well, both that had a very weird. similar like that was weird yeah do we just do it that at award weird. shows now offhand like- a little right this is how we're doing it <laughs> man you know, yeah, that's what I'll do. The first award show is I'll come out and like really just confuse everybody. Yeah, right. And be like, this is my coming out, and be like, we uh, we know. <laughs> we thought we knew. We already knew this. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Run the variety article. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also with that, I, I've I've heard a lot of people using. I think the term is like um, bringing in. Oh yeah. Instead of calling oh, in. Calling in. Calling oh, oh, calling oh, okay. in. Excuse me. Oh no, no. Yeah. Wait. So I've heard like calling in instead of calling out, but this is in terms of coming out instead. Yeah, like like oh, I'm, interesting. I'm choosing to bring you in and like 
Bring you into I don't my need world. To come yeah. out. I'm bringing you in. I yeah. that took me too long. Oh. I love that. I love. I actually haven't heard of that, but I really do like it because coming out, especially coming out of the closet, definitely makes it sound like you're a monster. Like you're, <laughs> you've got like crazy nails, and you're covered in like pink fur, and you are just uh, jumping out. Just kind of Mike Wazowski did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Goosebumps esque. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would love to read that Goosebumps. I know, book, actually, honestly, <laughs> the coming out monster. Are you kidding? So, have you read right. a Goosebumps book lately? Ugh. Lately. Yeah, I read Goosebumps books. You do? Oh my god! I, I used to, to get the packs I... at the Scholastic Book Fair. Love. Yes. Goosebumps. Why don't we have Scholastic Book Fairs as adults? I know. I want. I want that, and I want playgrounds. <laughs> I don't know why we had to let those. Yeah, I want bigger swings on playgrounds because I actually did just go to the <laughs> playground by me recently, and I'm very sore, squeezing my hips. And it's not made for adult woman hips, right, guys? But it is still fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think uh, architects have caught up with the kidult millennial generation. <laughs> they haven't realized well, that we're still uh, very into nostalgia and things from our youth and we want to keep them forever. <laughs> it's always incredible to me that when people don't realize that, but they love capitalism. And I'm like, then why aren't you giving us the thing we'll pay for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do not understand. So another way I think that things are changing are the way that I guess culture spreads and is created because it seems like back in the day and a lot of our listeners know like Melody and I have been very involved in helping out the lesbian bar project and uh, looking back at these queer spaces and what they were and what they meant and how it really was these like brick and mortar places that people met or there was a cafe tabac like that that was a big scene and that's where the culture, like dyke culture and queer culture was was born. And now it's not so much happening in those physical spaces. It's happening more online or is it created mm-hmm. more by uh, like the autostraddles or TikTok or like what's hmm. leading it. So I think that that's kind of changed a lot. And like anything that the Internet has done, it's made everything so much more broad that there's less like zeitgeist kind of stuff yeah it's super accessible right and like every you can consume truly anything online right so it's like at what point does it stop influencing culture and just become culture Yeah. yeah 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 that's a very interesting question to pose i think that I've talked with my brother about a bit is like this last year comedy has sort of lived and thrived online. Right. But now that we're sort of people are getting vaccinated and places are opening up and, and, and all that, are we going to just, is there going to be this wave of like anti-internet that happens because we're all going to be so just sick of it, you know? And like, will we have this more, have more value for those brick and mortar and like interpersonal, like actual in-person meetups and stuff, you know, which is going to be very hard on the, a lot of the disabled community that finally had access to so much 
culture and so much event-based stuff that they did before. Not just the disabled community, but also people, when you're talking about the queer community, people from small towns and everything. I mean, we started doing virtual shows and we were getting people from around the world, from people in small towns that are never really going to be able to come. I shouldn't say never, but that it's harder for them to come to New York and go to a show at Stonewall to see a lineup of queer comedians. And now, you know, they can do it online with regularity. And I think a lot of that is going to stop. I don't know if how much of an appetite there will be for producers to create that because the in-person experience, we're just all craving that so much now. Right. That's a great, that's a great point. Cause yeah. And like doing online workshops and things or like providing, I've like been able to provide free comedy workshops for folks. And that's, that's definitely been a big, big thing of like people in, in small towns, like being able to, to do this thing they've always wanted to finally, or, or be a part of it. I mean, um, I didn't teach the class, but Angela Oliver, who's a comedian from Chicago and is now in LA, um, taught a class that I, I like hosted and it was really beautiful because it was uh, for um, African-American women. And there were people who were like, this is my, I'm, you know, I'm living in Colorado. I've been doing comedy for X number of years. This is the first time I've had a black teacher. And it's like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like we, that, yeah, we need to keep the accessible parts of this. Right. Right. Like as, as best as we can, because it's so important. Hopefully it levels out a little bit. I think we're definitely swinging the pendulum to just like, like we're craving this in-person experience lately. Mm. I think it'll wind down. I think this is just like going to be a nutso in the butt. So summer. And then hopefully when it gets colder (laughs) and people are like settling down a little bit, we're going to remember that we can pull in a lot of the innovation we had during COVID or during a hybrid situation. I think hopefully there will be some balance because, yeah, we're planning shows and we're still trying to work in an element of like, yes, it's going to be live this time, but should we stream it? on like mm. our Instagram so or just like it. put it on right. YouTube and put the closed captioning on and just like have that element of it, work it in, make a budget for it when we're talking with sponsors for our events and just like have that right. in mind. What do you think has stayed the same or hasn't changed as much? So all these things are changing quickly, but what's Ooh. our avoidance of dental dams? <laughs> that remains <laughs> they're, they're, like, like they still haven't caught on. <laughs> yeah why yeah what's up with that <laughs> i shouldn't joke about Wait. it because i've joked you about have... how nobody uses them and then people will email and being like hey dental dams are like really great i'm like i know i'm not shame like if you're using a dental dam it's great again i'm a serial monogamist and i'm just not using them but my understanding is that a lot of people aren't but it's not weird if you want to go for it be safe yeah do it i think you bring up a a, a a point though of like sex education is not where it should be. <laughs> and I feel like I have, I had never, I didn't know what a dental dam was. And I'm like, oh, right. why aren't we like taught about all of these things and like, just like left to our own devices to figure safety and sex, just like 
So maybe, maybe that hasn't changed <laughs> of like, I feel like right. schools don't teach anything um, in terms of safe sex. I feel like a thing that has stayed the same is advocacy and like keeping the fight alive. I mean, Great it's evolved point. and changed, but there, it's still there, you know, and that's still going strong, which I think is a really cool deal. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think at the core of the queer community is knowing that it's our responsibility to speak for the most oppressed, whoever it is, and include Mm -hmm. them and create space for them, um, whoever and wherever they are. And I think that was evidence, too, last year when we're like, Pride is all about Black Lives Matter. Like that's, that's where it's at this year, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And that's something that I just, I love about the queer community that, that will always step up and we're, we're more than just Lilith Fair and Poppers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lilith Fair, that's, that's what's that's changed. Beautiful. There's no yeah. more Lilith Fair. Yeah. Yeah. No more. Well, man, there's gotta be a resurgence, right? Like. We're in the golden age of nostalgia. Bring back Lilith Fair. Everything is coming back from the 90s except Lilith Fair. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Why not? Why not? But like, if if you're going to give the straights Benefer, please. Lord. (laughs) Just give us Lilith Fair. Yeah. What Uh, timeline is this? that That that's a thing right now. I'm just like, I don't I don't care about that. <laughs> Kevin Federline's back in the news. Everything's Why? a thing right now. This is really? Much. Well, is he ever- selling underwear again? No. <laughs> what kind of underwear? Do they get you pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I like that. That's where my mind goes. <laughs> Why is he in the news? Uh, just because he thinks that Britney's conservatorship should end. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, you know what? In that case, I agree with Kevin Federline. <laughs> there we go. Which is. And on that note, <laughs> the fast change in queer climate is that we went from thinking Kevin Federline is what's wrong with the, those are the dangers of heterosexuality. And now we've come around and we agreed with Kevin you know, Federline. So I think that puts a You bow. know what? I'll I'll go. Uh, you know, I I think multiple complicated truths can be held mm-hmm. true in this instance. Great. Yes, <laughs> I agree with both. Absolutely. <laughs> people contain multitudes. Kevin Federline. Yes. Technically, people. Okay. Let's. Oh, <laughs> uh, he is technically a person. <sighs> well, I think this is a conversation that we're always going to be having and that if anything things are just gonna keep changing at a rapid rate yes until we're all living in pods <laughs> and our brains <laughs> are just feeding off each above other's. us yeah 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 we're probably all just living in a simulation anyway yeah. so what's it all matter uh <laughs> on that note allison tell people where they can follow you on social media oh yes on twitter you can follow me at Reese, R-E-E-S-E underscore Shapiro. Instagram, the same thing, only with an S at the end, at Reese underscore Shapiro's. Uh, on TikTok, you can follow me at Monster Reese. And 
who knows? Maybe I'll do more Kamala impressions. Please. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Allison, it was so great meeting you. Thank you for diking out with us. Uh, Thank you. Hopefully the listeners won't realize, but this has been a technological nightmare because we are recording in a heat wave. <laughs> <laughs> so if things sound crazy, it is 100% climate change. It's uh, people who eat meat. Yeah. It's our fault yeah. for... Mm-hmm. The recording of this episode to bring it back. Allison, I really hope we get to meet you in person and hang Likewise, now that we're yes. all in New York. Yes. I would love that. Awesome. Thank you, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are amazing. Right. There was so much to discuss, obviously, with any of these topics. We can't get to it all, but... Keep chipping away. And let's chip away at this listener question. Let's chip. All right. I am in the happiest, healthiest, most mature relationship I've been in my life. We've been together almost two years and just moved in together. The problem is, as the honeymoon phase fades away and life gets busier, my girlfriend doesn't want to have nearly as much sex as we used to. When we do have it, it's not as good as it used to be. I don't want her to feel pressured or uncomfortable in any way, but while I'm treating my sex-related anxiety and extreme fear of lesbian bed death in therapy, I'm still very horny. My question is, how the hell do I masturbate while sharing a tiny home and most of my time with my girlfriend? And also, how the hell do I have that conversation with her? Sex is something very important for me, and not having it regularly makes me feel unwanted by her and very insecure. First, I want to point out that with so many of our listener questions, it will always be like, I'm in the best relationship ever, and I love her so much, and she is my person. And I wouldn't like, change a thing. You don't have to sell us. You this. don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get it. But that's such a thing to do, though. Like, any any time that I talk about Cecilia in therapy, it's like, she's the love of my life. She's the best person ever. I completely adore her. Here's this thing, though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, uh, what, uh, 90% <laughs> of the listener question. Yeah. First of all, congratulations. Yes, congrats. Send her on an errand. <laughs> yeah. Truly. I mean, also, you could have the conversation with her, and that is what this person's asking. They want to know, how do you have that conversation? Have you ever had to have a conversation like this on either end of it? <laughs> you don't want to talk Melody, about Melody, making me talk about things I'm uncomfortable talking about. Go there. No. We got to um... make up for a lot of tech issues. Go there. <laughs> I mean, I do think that this is something that uh, I would gander that a lot of people have experienced that once you move in together, the amount of sex and type of sex you have definitely changes Mm -hmm. because of having that, like knowing that somebody's available all the time, other than when you don't live together and you see each other, there's more of this sense of urgency of like, oh, we have to do it now. And then you move in together and you're like, well, I'm a little tired. We could do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow you're like, well, I'm a little tired. We could do it tomorrow. So that kind of stuff is normal. You should, though, be able to masturbate as much as you want. And in the past, I mean, I've had different partners do it a different way. Like I had an ex who I knew masturbated frequently, but I never really knew when they did it. So they must have done it 
when I wasn't home. So I'm, I would just assume that anytime I went out to the store or went to hang out with friends, they just took advantage of that time alone Mm -hmm. to do that. Had they said to me, Hey, I need this time to do this, or I'm going to be in the room alone for 10 minutes. Don't come in. I'd be like, fine. And that wouldn't bother me at all. Like I'm never offended or bothered by my partner wanting to masturbate. So I think it's not this like crazy conversation you have to broach. And if this person does have a problem with the fact that you want or need to masturbate, then then that's like a separate discussion. But I think it's totally fine to just say, hey, I just need a, a little quick release. Yeah. You know? Just know that, like, most times we're recording this very podcast, my girlfriend's in the other room masturbating. Like, she, like, (laughs) I mean, the pandemic, especially, like, historically unhorny time, I think a lot of couples were dealing with this, where it's like, I'm not feeling all the bells and whistles. Like, I'm not, like, I just want, I just need to rub one out real quick and just spend some time with me and move on. Like it's masturbation. Isn't a, it's not a substitute for sex. It's like people can also have a very active sex life and need to masturbate. Like that kind of fulfills different things. Right. Yeah. Like if I have a show and I'm like, I'm have a lot of nerves or something we're, we've had to have these conversations where now we'll just be like, hey, FYI, here's what I'm doing. I've literally set up a sound machine and sent her to the living room. Like I, like <laughs> we, it's something, I don't know, maybe masturbation is just important to the both of us as individuals that it's something we needed to prioritize um, and enough to have like kind of awkward conversations, but they're not awkward anymore. Um, right, right. It's so totally normal to have a lot less sex um, once you move in with someone or just it's not a main event that you're culminating a date night with or, you know, like you're you're not going right. home. Like, so you need to figure out like how it fits into your schedules now that you're living together. It's totally normal. Yeah, I mean, it does sound like and it's good that you're talking about this stuff in therapy, too, because you do want to make sure that you're not uh, just using masturbation to avoid maybe some feeling of unfulfillment in your sex life with your partner, too. So it sounds like there could be a little bit of that going on. Um, So, like, keep working on those issues with your girlfriend. But like in the meantime, I think she should be okay. And it's not like a crazy conversation to bring up and it doesn't have to be like this whole crazy thing. Just say, Hey, this is a need of mine. I've been feeling a little bit weird about it, but it would make me feel a lot better if we just had this understanding that this is something that I'm doing. And if you could give me space to do that, that'd be great. Yeah, I think like we as a culture also need to like eliminate some of the pressure of just the term lesbian bed death itself. It's just like, I I don't like it. And I think a lot of young people who are just even like who have just come out as a lesbian and like making that realization about themselves or now have this concern. Like, it's like, we've really like put all this weight onto it. We're so hard on ourselves, uh, especially women. I mean, it, 
like we've gotten requests asking us to do a whole episode on lesbian bed death. And I don't want to like, I, <laughs> you know, oh, I kind of do. I would love to talk to. Should a, we? Okay. We'll do it. But, yeah, but, yeah. Like, not like, <laughs> but like, I just, uh, it's, it's not the Baba Duke of lesbian right, relationships. That's what I'm trying it's to articulate. Not something that's it. like hiding behind the corner of like specifically lesbian relationships. Like it sucks that it gets branded as lesbian specifically bad death and then it gets and then it physically manifests into an ikea couch in conclusion we wish you many orgasms in your future many guilt-free and awkwardness free orgasms Mm -hmm. if your partner loves you she'll be cool with it that's fine okay okay how about you guys follow us on social media. How about you sign up for Patreon? How about you rate and review on iTunes? We would love that. Five stars, please. Five stars, please. Um, how about you follow Carolyn at TGI Carolyn on Instagram and Twitter? How about you follow Melody at Melody Kamali? I'm doing it. You should be too. Highly recommend. We'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.